Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your Word tonight. We invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide, to enlighten us, to give us ears to hear, heart to receive, and mind to be open. And Father, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim boldly and accurately the knowledge of the truth that will make us and keep us free. For all that's achieved, we'll be quick to give you all the praise, honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I'd like to share with you this evening about some things that are upon my heart with regard to our Christian experience. And that number one thing is the fact that every child of God is to be educated in the light of God's love. And every child of God is to walk or live in the realm of that love. That is to love God with all his heart, his soul, his mind, and all his strength. With every part of his being, he is to love God. Are you there yet? Are you there yet? Loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, all the energies of your being, all the resources that you have, all the powers of your spiritual, emotional, and physical makeup are called upon to love God and to live for Him. That's what Jesus meant when He said here, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Look at what it says in verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples or students, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. I like that. He's coming and he's bringing a reward with him. And he's going to reward those that love God the Father with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength that live to serve him and to do his will all the days of his life. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that spills over into your everyday life here upon this earth. And that means you are to love people with the same kind of love. Are you there yet? Are you there yet? Do you love people? Do you love humanity? Is your heart exploding with compassion? Do you see people through eyes of love? Do you see their value and do you see their worth? Do you see how precious they are in the sight of the living God? It is so easy to get caught up in the things of the lower life and things that represent the lower life that lead us into conflict, confusion, sometimes strife. Think about it. Bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, unresolved differences. But God doesn't want that for our lives. He wants us to experience and live in the realm of His love. And He wants us to love each other with unconditional divine love. This is the major part of our Christian experience. And every single one of us should be striving to fulfill that in his or her life. It's of infinite importance, beloved, that we choose to live for right things. Can you say amen? amen? Why? Because every single one of us is going to stand someday before the judgment seat of Christ, at which time we'll receive rewards for the deeds that we've done in our body, whether good or, as the Bible says, evil. And what will it profit us or anyone 
to gain everything there is to gain in this world and lose their own soul. What good is it? It's not good at all, is it? You see, beloved, as believers, we still possess that one powerful thing in our lives that can determine our destiny, and that is free will. As a child of God, you can still choose to make wrong decisions and wrong choices. Have you found that to be true since becoming a believer? And did you notice that God will not stop you by enforcing laws or governing your life in such a way that he makes you not do the wrong thing? He'll allow you still to make choices whether they are right or whether they are wrong. He will gently lead you by his spirit. He will endeavor to direct your heart into that which is pleasing in his sight. But he does not make a person make a right choice or do the right thing. And to be frank about it, every single one of us needs to evaluate our own spiritual lives and our own spiritual condition time and time again. Why? Because it's easy to get off track. You know it's easy to get off the track of love? It really is. You can get so busy and so caught up in so many things that you can neglect the weightier matters of our Christian experience. And that is really loving God. You say, but I'm working for him so hard. Yeah, but what about loving him? See, working for him is something you do for him, but loving him is something you do to him. Oh, you love him. You live for him. You worship him. You bless him. You deny yourself. You've made your choice. You're following Jesus, who is the lover of your soul. You appreciate his love for your soul. Think about what it cost him. Our redemption, our salvation cost him his life. The good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. As he loved us, so we are to love one another. Oh, with a love so deep and a love so pure that it penetrates the very hearts of those that we minister to. They can receive that love as it pours forth out of our lives, manifesting itself like it did to the life of Jesus in compassion and loving kindness and tender mercies. Beloved, it is a strength to love humanity with divine love, not a weakness. It is a strength to allow God's love to govern our lives. Turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 6, if you would, please. Even though we are spirit-filled believers, we still have the right of choice. We still can choose to follow the teachings of God's Word or ignore His instructions and live according to the dictates of the lower life. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather live according to the dictates of the higher life than to obey the dictates of the lower life. There is so much more to experience in that realm of the higher life than there is in this realm of the lower life. I realize we're not conditioned to realize that or recognize that. I realize that's why so many people pursue their small ambitions to be successful in this realm of life while they ignore success in the realm of the higher life. God would rather that we deny ourselves, whatever that means, to whoever. Take up our cross and say, I'm following you. I want the higher life and all that it represents. Amen? That's what he's looking for. Those kinds of disciples. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 6, the apostle Paul, by the Holy Ghost, speaking out, says in verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh or to the lower life and its dictates, listen, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. That's the dictates of the higher life. 
And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Sowing to the flesh is choosing to live the lower life, in the realm of the lower life, to follow the dictates of the natural man, to live for things that are of inferior importance. Do you ever see people get upset about things that are really not very important at all? And get to a place that is argue and fuss and fight over something that is so insignificant. You sit back in amazement and you wonder, what are they arguing about? She only dented the car. It's just a car. It can be repaired. Right? It was only a dish. He only dropped it six inches. It only broke in three pieces. We can glue it. Right? Have you ever found yourself there getting so caught up in insignificant things that you find that your life is being dictated to by those things? Things that are of minor importance, but people make them major issues in their lives. You know, that stuff keeps people out of the realm of the higher life and prevents them from entering into a deeper walk with God? You see, what you sow is what you're going to reap. If you choose to sow to the flesh and to the things of the natural man, you will reap of those things. If you choose to sow things according to the fulfillment of the flesh, you'll reap things that will bring corruption into your life. But if you choose to sow to the things of the Spirit, to choose to live in the realm of the higher life, to choose to live for things of higher and greater importance, you will reap of those things. There is no reaping without sowing. So if you want sowing, if you want reaping, rather, right things, you've got to sow right things. If you want to reap good things, you've got to sow good things. If you want to reap the miraculous in your life, you have got to sow to the things of the Spirit. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. You sow Jesus into your life, I'll tell you what, you're going to reap a life of the miraculous. You're going to reap a life of compassion. You're going to have the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to have the character of God. You will please God. You will live in the realm where the law of the Spirit of life will keep you free from the law of sin and death. Someone once said, if you sow a thought, you are going to reap an act. Have you found that to be true? It is true. You keep thinking about something long enough, you are going to act that thing out. If you sow a thought and reap an act, it will eventually become sowing an act that reaps a habit. You ever notice that people get into habits of doing things a certain way? And they develop these things over a period of time. It may start with a thought, but it ends up being an act. And then it becomes a habit. It's a habit-forming thing. You go back and think about it way back when tobacco became very popular, when no one knew that it was destructive to the human body. A young person is told something about trying this. A thought enters into his mind which leads to an act, he tries it. And even though he chokes probably for the first who knows how many times, he ends up getting to a place that it becomes a habit. And once he forms this habit, it's very difficult to break. See how things begin and progress? A thought, an act, a habit. You sow a habit, it becomes a character. It characterizes that person's life. 
You sow a character, it becomes a destiny. You sow to the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh. You sow to the lower life, you'll reap of the lower life. You'll end up sowing to your character and you'll end up in your final destiny apart from God forever. On the other hand, if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap of the things of the Spirit. You sow to the good things of God, eventually you'll begin to walk in the light of the character of God. And as you walk in the light of the character of God, you'll finally find yourself entering into His almighty presence where you'll spend your eternity worshiping Him and serving Him. See, beloved, this is something that is easily understood. What you sow is what you reap. We sow to the Spirit because we love God. That's why we have sanctified our will and set ourselves apart for His purpose. That's why we have denied ourselves and we have taken up our cross to follow Him. We don't want our destiny to be apart from Him forever. We want to live and reign with Him forever and always. Well, beloved, that means we have got to live for the right things. And nothing is worthwhile which is not eternal. So many people put much emphasis on things that are not eternal. Someone broke the home run record. Wonderful. Is that eternal? Someone ran for the most yards in a season or career. And we make a big to-do about it with all kinds of ceremonies and trophies and all that. Someone won the Olympic gold. All those things are going to pass away. But think about the effort. Think about the energy. Think about everything that was sown into the life to reap that reward. Would to God that God's children would be as dedicated. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. Think about that. All the effort, all the hard work, all the discipline put into achieving that reward that is never going to amount to anything when they leave this realm of life. If you think about it, it can be a lot of wasted time in the sight of God. You see, beloved, things that are important are things that are eternal, things that enrich us spiritually and provide eternal rewards, things that leave good things behind. Those are the things that are important. And to be frank about it, in the natural, we don't view those things as being so important. Many don't recognize the value and the importance of spiritual things and the effect living a godly life has upon others that we associate with in this life. Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, if you would, please. Here is an individual who lived his life to please himself. He spent his time, like most individuals do, working hard. And seeing to it that he made a success of himself. And he had his whole life planned out before him. And this is what he was going to do. Look at verse 13 of chapter 12. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, I'll build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself 
and is not rich toward God. Here's an individual who lived for himself to satisfy his own sensual desires, who sowed to his flesh. He had it all planned out. Exactly how he was going to do it. But the problem was he left God out. You know, beloved, we live in a time right now that many have left God out of their plans. And it's sad to say, but in some cases, even people that enter into the body of Christ are influenced by people who are not dedicated to God. Where are those that are truly dedicated to serving God, finding out what His will is for their lives, and laying down their lives to serve Him, to do His will, to fulfill His plan, whatever that plan may be. Whether it's just to attend your local church, support the work of God that's being done, and help out wherever you can find a place to help out in that local body of believers. If that's all that God wants you to do, you better say yay and amen. amen. I mean that. But do it. Include God in your plans. Include Him in your life. Include everything He desires for you as a part of your life. And you won't be disappointed. You're going to live out your full lot of time. For example, here's a man. He may have lived to be 70 years old. I don't know. He was successful as far as a worldly way is concerned. He lived for self-gratification. And oh, is that not difficult to get away from? Who doesn't want to be satisfied? Who doesn't want to live for self-gratification? In the flesh, that's what your flesh wants. That's what the natural man wants. We all want to succeed and let people know that we have succeeded. See, man is full of pride. Well, along the way, this man can hurt people to get to where he is. Because really, he doesn't care about who he hurts along the way. He's not committed to love. He's not committing to living for God. He's not concerned about his neighbor. He's concerned about what he can get out of his neighbor or from his neighbor. He may do evil. He may speak words that are very hurtful and destructive and become seeds of unholiness in people's lives. He may even hurt his children along the way with the words and become a bad influence to those that are around him. But his barns are full, filled with plenty. What does he leave behind? Not a whole lot. Nothing that can buy someone's eternal security. Now, his soul's required. He might have an absolutely magnificent funeral service. I mean to tell you, you've never seen anything like it. The most wonderful thing you've ever seen. And I've been to quite a few funerals. And I'll tell you something right now. There are those that think, that just because somebody had some wealth or was a person of importance, they think that the person has gone off to a better place. But we know better. One does not gain entrance into the high court of heaven based on his wealth or based on anything he could do for himself. It's all based on the blood that was shed for his redemption. Here's this fellow. He has nothing to leave behind because all of his investments were in the natural realm and not the eternal realm. He has nothing of great value. He is ushered into an eternity without making provisions for his soul. And there he sits, awaiting the day when he stands before the righteous God and final judgment. What has he left behind? Maybe some barns that are filled, that are filled, and who's going to get that? And what will they do with that? But now, beloved, turn to Matthew chapter 6 and follow the teachings of our Lord who said to us, it is important that we sow to the things of the Spirit, that you choose not to serve mammon or riches, that you choose to serve the living God that you lay down your life for the cause of Christ, that you give of yourself until there is no more of yourself to give. I like that, don't you? Give of yourself until there's no more of yourself to give. So 
so that you no longer live, but Christ liveth in you. Would to God that every person, every child of God would live by that motto. I live to give of myself until there is no more to give. I lay down my life for the cause of Christ and to love the brethren. I know you have people mocking you. I know you'll be ridiculed and criticized. When people see you being that family man, loves his wife, loves his kids, serves God, takes them to church, puts first things first, spiritual things first, on the job, prays over his meals before he eats. They may snicker in the corner at you because you're doing things according to the teachings of our Lord because you're the disciple of Christ, but let them laugh. What does that matter? Let them mock if they want to and scoff and criticize and whatever they want to do. You're not living for things that are temporal. You're living for things that are eternal. You're storing for yourself treasures in the heavenlies where nothing and no one can take away what you've laid up for yourself because you've sowed to your spirit and not to your flesh. In verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, Matthew 6, 19, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven you can fill your barns with plenty and someone can rob you. You can put all your money in your house somewhere and someone can rob you. And it'll be gone in the twinkling of an eye. Just like that. You can put your money in all kinds of investments and lose it all overnight. Don't get involved, he is saying, to store up for yourself treasures on earth that you can lose in a heartbeat. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your heart, he's saying? The person whose heart is toward God will store up for himself heavenly treasures. He will see their value. He'll pursue with all his might that which is eternal. He will give of himself in effort to achieve the best that he can. It's like the one in the natural who pursues natural success, worldly success. But he takes that enthusiasm and shifts it over into the spiritual realm and says, this is of primary importance. If it's that prayer that you prayed for someone's deliverance, so someone saw you pray for somebody else and laughed at you, you're not concerned about that. Or you gave a donation to help the cause of Christ. And someone says, what are you doing with your money? You could say, I'm investing it in the best investment that there is. The work of God. I'm storing for myself up treasures in heaven. Someone says, why do you give up your tithes and offerings? You must be foolish for doing that. No, no, Jesus said the one that was a fool that kept it all for himself. And refused to give to God. He has yet to recognize that God is the one that gives us power to get wealth. And all the silver, gold, and cattle on a thousand hills belongs to God anyhow. And we're just using it here on earth. And we should be helping promote His kingdom on earth with it. Where's your heart, He's saying? Is your heart in spiritual things? Is your heart in eternal things? Is that what you're striving for? Is that what you're pursuing with great zeal in your life? It's, it's not just to be a Christian once a week on a Sunday. He's saying, but your whole heart and soul is involved in, the, in it. In living for God. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving people with unconditional love. Laying down your life for the cause of Christ. And for the salvation of the lost. For the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For he will hate the one and love the other. Else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
I'll tell you something right now. You can't serve your flesh and serve your spirit at the same time. The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. It's the spirit that knows God. It's the spirit that serves God. We can't serve the flesh and expect God to be pleased with our lifestyle. We must choose to serve the spirit that's been reborn, to live for the life of God imparted to our spirit. And you know, beloved, when God recreates our spirit, he puts the desire for good things and change on the inside of us. You will want the things of God. You will desire the higher things and the higher life when you know God. Now, the person who does this lays up for himself treasures that no one can take away from him. And the scenario could be very different. He lives to be 70. He's not really achieved any marked success according to worldly standards. But he fears God. He keeps his commandments. He loves God. He gives out of his life in love. He serves God's people. He is a minister to those that are in need. He does good, lives righteous and honest all the days of his life. He is in pursuit of the higher life. He lives to know God better every single day. And he longs to have his very life manifested in him. That is why he lives the way he lives. When this man leaves this realm of life, I guarantee you, even though he is evil spoken of by certain individuals, how many of you know if you really sell out to God, you'll be evil spoken of by many? You will. People will come up with all kinds of thoughts about you. And they're quick to vocalize those thoughts that they have. And they'll say all kinds of crazy things. And I'll tell you what, they'll make up a few things along the way also. They will. This person, maybe he was evil spoken of because of all that he did. But you know what? When he leaves this realm of life, he leaves rich toward God. I mean, he live, leaves a wealthy man toward God. Because you see, what he sowed, he's now about to reap. He is about to enter into the joy of his Lord. He is about to receive the victor's crown of glory. He is about to experience the bliss of God's presence. He is about to enjoy those great treasures at the right hand of the Father. He has a great deal in store for him. But, beloved, he also leaves a tremendous legacy behind. You see, he leaves behind the fact that he was an overcoming Christian. And, beloved, I believe many more need to leave that kind of a legacy behind. I've heard some people say, as Christians, I just can't wait till this life is over till Jesus comes back. Why? But I just can't take it any longer. Wait a minute. Who are you serving? God wants you to say right now, if Jesus comes, let him come. But I'm telling you, I'm walking in the victory right now. I'm serving the living God right now. I joy in my God who has given me the victory. I will not be defeated. My circumstances don't dictate whether or not I'm victorious. I'm victorious because of what the Word says. And I'm going to walk in that kind of a disposition. I'm going to sow to my spirit. I'm going to reap of the things of the Spirit. Jesus died for my victory. His blood was shed for my victory. I'm walking in victory because I'm walking with God right now here, right now in this life. Yes, you left behind a tremendous legacy that you serve God faithfully. And as a result, you are victorious by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. What is your testimony? Don't be among those that are out there saying, well, I can't wait till he comes because I can hardly make it till tomorrow. Be among those that say, if he comes, glory to God, he comes, but I'm ready. And I'm victorious. And I'm walking in victory. And I'm not defeated. I'm the overcoming one. That's my testimony. And that's my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. His right hand has gotten me the victory. Someone says, well, when I get it, I'll start saying that. That's the problem. Start saying that, then you'll get it. 
Don't wait till you get it to start saying it. Start saying it and then you'll get it. Say it with me. I'm victorious by the blood that was shed for my redemption. And I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and word of my testimony. I will not be defeated in this life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, you choose to live for right things, to serve God with your life, to do His will, to fulfill His plan, to love humanity. You say, what does my loving my neighbor have to do with my eternity? Everything. What can I do for God that's of value and importance? Love somebody. And if you love somebody, that will go down as recorded in the book of life. And God will know all your deeds. And when you're judged, you'll be rewarded for loving somebody on earth. You see, beloved, everybody's going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when we do, we want to know that we left behind this kind of a legacy. I lived a life of victory for God. I was an example of a holy, faithful life before God. I served Him with all my might and all my strength. My children know it. If I leave my wife behind, she knows it. Others around me that have known my life know it because I did not light, hide my light under a bushel. I remember when Brother Sam Pacella departed from this life, I heard so many comments from different people that said, that man knew God's Word. That man lived the life that God wanted him to live, and he was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you gave him a moment to say grace over a meal, you better have an hour. And if you were in a setting where maybe it wasn't all Christians, by the end of it, they knew the plan of salvation. And this is only grace. This is only praying over food. Imagine if you had to pray for anything else. Never once did I see him without a song in his heart and a spring in his step and a hallelujah in his voice. Oh, he would shout the praise of God. I would drive down the street, roll down my window because he'd see me and wave up there. And the first thing out of his mouth was, Hallelujah! And if you didn't have your Bible handy, he gave it to you anyway. And the first thing out of his mouth was the word of the Lord. Read Psalm 119. He'd just go off and off, over and over. Why? Because he sowed to the Spirit. This Bible was the love of his life. He loved God's holy word. It was like he had his own inner sanctuary with God and it was right here. The word he indeed hid in his heart that he would not sin against him. To live righteous, to live holy, is to live a life that pleases God. Enoch, before he left this realm of life, he had this testimony. What was that testimony? He pleased God. You know, there are God-pleasers, there are self-pleasers, and there are people-pleasers in the earth today. Where are the God-pleasers? Where are those that live to please God? In every realm of life, in every area of life, in every relationship of life, you can be a fellow out there on the work, in the workforce somewhere. Maybe you work in a mill or somewhere where there's all kinds of craziness going on and all that or a construction site or something like that. I worked on a construction site. I worked in a mill, and I worked on a construction site. And there's not much difference. I mean to tell you, there's not a whole lot of difference between the two. I got laughed at, ridiculed, and mocked because I stood for Christ. I mean, there are some foul things coming out of people's mouth that you thought, where did they manufacture that from? Where did that come from? Where did they hear that? And you say something in line with God's word and you get laughed at and mocked and like I said, ridiculed. You know what? We're not living for temporal things. It doesn't matter what that person thinks of me. It matters whether or not I please God. I'm not alive to please the people that I work with. I'm alive to please God. What about you? Are you alive to please God? Are you living to please Him with your life? Is that the legacy you're going to leave behind? I lived on earth to please God. 
I chose to be obedient to His plan for my life. I chose to do His will. See, that's the testimony you want to leave behind. That's what we all want to strive for. Holy, righteous, faithful living before a holy living God. You're going to find in the realm of Christianity among believers that there'll be those that will criticize you for watching your words. And if you try to help other people out by saying, you know, you ought not to talk like that about your brother or your sister in the Lord. They want to get all over you. When will God's children ever learn that it's not pleasing to the Father to criticize His own? When will we learn about how this tongue defiles and sets ablaze the course of nature which is set on fire by hell? It's destructive. See, this has to be sanctified. And you know, if you choose to speak right things and sanctify your tongue and mouth before God, you'll get criticized for that. But that's okay. Choose not to say evil things, to speak wrong things. Choose to believe the best about every person. Why? Because you're living to please God, not man. That's why. You know, gossip can be very juicy. And people like to get involved in it and talk and talk and talk. In a multitude of words, the Bible said, there wanteth not sin. It's there. It's to be found. We have to sanctify our tongue to please God, to live to please Him. What else do you leave behind? A life full of integrity and a home where children know God. Think about the one who departs, who has taught his children to know God, to love God, and to serve God. Thank God for signs, wonders, and demonstrations, and miracles. But beloved, I'll tell you something right now. None of that is greater than living a life that exemplifies the character of Christ in such a way that those that are closest to you can see the love of God in you and through you. I mean that. So many have had tremendous miracles, but they lost their own children to the devil. God wants us to be genuine in every way. When we depart this life, He wants us to leave this kind of a testimony behind we pleased God because we served Him faithfully and we did His will. We trained our children to become useful members in the body of Christ, to be productive people in society, to be an influence to those around them for Christ. I mean it. I say it time and time again, but I see my little Carly right now, just, just the way she lifts up her hands. I mean, she's 17 months old, and if we pray... She's got those hands together just like this here. And she is looking intently, listening for the amen. And when the amen comes, amen. She's so proud of the fact that she can say amen. And we say praise the Lord. She lifts those hands up to heaven. At a young age, at an early age, to train up our children by your precept, by your example, by the lifestyle that you live. And I'll tell you something else. The way you love your wife or your husband the way you really show the love of God. Beloved, if our children are going to see God, they're going to see God through you, the parent. That's their example. And that's why we should pray in front of them and praise in front of them and also tell them what God's Word says. Oh, what a generation. Should Jesus tarry? Can you imagine the generation of young people growing up that really know God, that have lived in an environment where God's love was truly manifested through people's lives, through family lives. You see why the life of the church is so important? You see why God expects us to be dedicated to serving with other people? There's an influence that's transmitted from one person to the next. Be someone who is committed to outdoing the other person in love. You know, we've had so many wonderful comments from people that have visited our church. I walked into your church, one letter said, and, and the people were so warm and so loving. They made me feel welcome. 
You may think that that's not very important, but I want you to know something. You can set the stage for that person's life. A lot of people don't want to attend a church because they say they're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. They say they love God, but they, they, they gossip about people, criticize people, they're bitter toward people, unforgiving and all that. Beloved, that ought not to be. It's by the love of God that we are known. They see the love of God, our love for one another, our choice, our decision to lay down our lives for each other because of God's love that so motivates us from within. They enter into that realm, that environment, and they're inspired by it. They feed off of that. They long for that. You know, people out there are longing to be loved. And I mean really loved the way that Christ loved the church. The way that God the Father loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son. They're longing, they're starving for that kind of love. Oh, I challenge every heart in this place to reach up to a higher realm of love and live your life in that realm wherever you go in the community. Put on the disposition of Christ everywhere you go. When people see you, you shouldn't have a sad countenance and a long face. But what have I got to be joyful about? Everything. He brought you out of the miry clay. He's given you a brand new life. He's wiped clean your slate. There's nothing being held against you. There's nothing but glory that lies in your path. Hallelujah. And you're an overcomer every day of your life. Although that person's name may soon be forgotten among men, his unselfishness and unselfish living achieves for him a success that lifts his name in a place of high honors before God. Did you know that? It doesn't matter what man thinks. What matters is what God thinks. And God thinks highly of that person who was so dedicated that he took the very life and love of God and allowed it to be manifested in the most important place in his home Everywhere he went. Amen. Everywhere. People knew there was something different about that person. In Matthew 25, and I can see right now we need to wrap things up, but you can just write down the verses. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. We have a revelation here given to us by our Lord. There's a profitable and unprofitable servant. It pays rich dividends to yield our bodies and faculty members to God, to make investments in the work of love, to allow the very love and life of God to have its way in us and through us. And the person who chooses to do so will be honored by God himself. He'll be used of God. And to be frank about it, he'll have increase in his life on earth as well as storing up for himself even greater riches and treasures in heaven. It'll profit him on the other side. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, you, you remember the woman that came to the Lord and all she had to give was ointment. She didn't teach a class. She didn't lead the ladies' prayer group. She didn't play a musical instrument. She didn't sing in the choir. She didn't sit on any board or do anything like that. When she learned of the Lord, she brought all that she had. And she anointed him. She did what she could. She used what she had. God doesn't expect us to manufacture something to go beyond our abilities, to go beyond our resources. If you just take what you have and sanctify it before the Lord, if you choose to live for the right reasons and the right things, just to give your life for God, as this woman did, there'll be great rewards. She was faithful. And you know, you can be a faithful, loving wife. And God will reward you for that. We live in a time right now when many women don't even recognize the importance of being a faithful, loving wife. 
Or I should say, they don't realize the value of it. They don't realize the rewards that await them on the other side for doing it. See, their thinking is clouded because of society, and in some cases, even Christian exposure. You haven't done something for God unless you've worked a miracle. Well, living with somebody for 50 years is more than a miracle. Amen? You know that. If you're a self-denying mother, you deny yourself for your children. You've given of yourself for your children. You've done everything to impart to them the knowledge of God, the life of God, the love of God. You've disciplined yourself so that you would not be seen, but the very love of Christ would be seen through you to teach your child who he is. And not only will you be rewarded when that child says yes to Jesus Christ and makes him Lord and Savior of his or her life, but on the other side, you'll have a greater resurrection. There's value to that. Loving God and loving humanity starting with your very own family. For living a quiet, patient, gentle life before God and man, God's people will be rewarded. And I'm talking about everywhere you go and in all that you do. Choose to live the higher life. This woman gave of what she had. She did what she could do. And you know what? She'll be remembered for what she did. It's been recorded in the greatest book ever written. Others thought she was crazy. Others criticized what she did. Others said she could have done this what she had. She could have done that with what she had. But she chose to live the higher life. She chose to give all that she had to lay down her life for the cause of Christ. And in so doing, Jesus said what she has been done will be spoken of. And it has from one generation to the next. Beloved, it's better to sow a life of Christian character than to have a record of many activities. It's better to live the life of Christian character than to say, well, I served on this board. I helped out with that project. And I did this and I did that. We thank God for all the abilities that people have. And we thank God for the things that people do. But beloved, who you are speaks louder than what you do. Think about it. Oh yeah, he does a good job on that. But have you ever tried to sit and talk to him for a while? He says he goes to church, but my goodness, do you ever hear, have you ever heard him when he gets angry? See, it's not a matter of works. It's a matter of character. Is Christ in control of our lives? Is he being manifested in us and through us? If not, we're not striving for the higher life. Actually, we're just caught up in Christianity, status quo. Just going to church, serving God, reading a few. Nah, God wants transformation. God wants change. He wants inside my brain. He wants to renew my mind. He's the lover of my soul. He wants to be my shepherd. He wants to lead me along green pastures. He wants to bring me beside the still cool waters of refreshing. He wants to revive me. He wants to change me. He wants to refresh my spirit. He wants to refine me on the inside. He wants to change my character. He wants me to develop in his very life and nature. He wants me to show forth his power, his love, his life, his compassion, his mercy, and his glory. That's what he's looking for. That's what he desires. That's what he wants. He wants to make husbands love their wives as Christ loves the church. He wants their wives to, to submit to their husbands and follow their leadership and godly direction and guidance as they follow the shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep. He wants children to love their, and honor and obey their parents. 
This is the lifestyle of the Christian. This is denying self. Beloved, what a statement. Self-denial. Deny yourself. Who wants to hear it? Who wants to think about it? Who wants to discipline himself to follow it? Mark that one. Because if you mark that one and find out what he does, then you can be a follower of him as he is of Christ. Remember the apostle Paul said, I'm willing to give up everything I possess, everything I stand for, everything I am, all that I know, all that I have, all my achievements, all of my success for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, that I may be known of Him, that I may experience the reality of His life in me. This is my quest. And He went on to say, I haven't achieved that yet, but I'm striving for it. I am headed in the right direction. I have got that heavenly vision. I know exactly what I am pursuing. And I am doing so with ardent zeal. I will be like him. And he could boldly say that. He could say to others, be followers of Christ. Of me, rather. Even as I am of Christ. What a statement. Can we make that statement? Can we say to those around us, to our wives, to our children, follow me as I am following Christ with the assurance that what they're following is indeed someone who has saturated his life in God. Glory to God. The life then will be a living pageant of triumph, diffusing the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere you go. That's what you leave behind in this life. And then when you get over off on the other side, I have not seen, neither ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those who love him, who faithfully have served him. He is going to put on a show and a demonstration of his loving kindness like we've never seen before. Beloved, much is left to the imagination. The bliss of heaven, the glories of His presence, the position of the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Beloved, he that hath this hope in Him purifies himself even as He is pure. And the resurrection that He attains to is one of glory. We all would be better off to set aside some of the activities that we do for God for putting forth the effort and energy to be changed, to be more like Him. Striving for that godly character as Enoch did, as Elisha followed Elijah, as Paul followed Christ. Let's live for the right reasons. Let's pursue the right things. Let's choose to be vessels of His love, of His compassion, of His mercy. You know, His mercy is a marvelous thing. I want to conclude by saying this. If you sow mercy you will reap mercy. Unto the merciful, God shows himself merciful. Be merciful. Show mercy. Show the character of God. Show his love, but by all means, show mercy. And if you will, God's mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Let's stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. 
And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.